Welcome to the Utah Episcopalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah, where we take a look at our unique church in this really unique land of Utah. And we look for things that maybe can be instructive, maybe educational, and even entertaining. Today, we're going to talk about the seasons, but one season in particular, a season that's least understood, the season of Advent. No, it's not just the almost Christmas season. It's a separate season and a very important one in the Episcopal Church. Our guests are the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, the Bishop of Utah, and the very Reverend Tyler Doherty, the Dean of the Cathedral Church of St. Mark here in Salt Lake City. So, I'm just going to throw it open to you. What is Advent? And let's start with you, Bishop. Ho, ho, ho! Merry Advent! Merry Advent! Merry Advent! <laughs> well, um, I think that many people outside of the church community, and frankly, I think some people inside the church community as well, are, are actually a bit confused about Advent. Um, Advent is a season of preparation, um, a time for us to, um, as a church, really, and as individuals inside of the church, um, make room in our, in our lives uh, for the receiving once again of the infant Jesus, whose birth we celebrate on Christmas Day. So it's not just going out and buying presents as a way of, uh, of getting ready for Christ to enter our lives, but Advent even gets a little bit dark. I mean, it becomes almost uh, apocalyptic at times as we take a look at the readings that prepare us in this. It is not the happiest time in church, and yet outside of church, there are Christmas carols. There are people just all excited saying it is the season, but it isn't. Um, we can ask you, what do you think? Well, I always like Advent a lot more until I start reading the lectionary and have to figure out <laughs> what I have to preach on, because you're right, it's like there is, a, there is all this uh, apocalyptic language, but it ties into what the bishop is saying about making space, right? You know, when the, the, I think a lot of, one way to understand the apocalyptic language of Advent is, you know, what in us uh, has to fall down, uh, dissolve, uh, in order for there to be room for God to do God's work in us that Christ can be born um, not just in the manger but in our hearts right and so the I think part of the apocalyptic language what temples in our lives need to tumble down that uh, there's space for God to to work in us you know and I think that's very important Tyler because um, the apocalyptic uh, which uh, the word apocalypse really is means revelation um, the, the apocalyptic uh, does help in that and I think, speaking only for, for me, um, in order for me to make room for God in my life, well, there are things which, frankly, just stand in the way. And so the readings are far darker in that, that sense because, again, I'm not necessarily willing um, always to, to sacrifice those things, to set them aside, even for something or someone as important as God, or someone as important as Jesus. So I think that Advent really is uh, a time to reflect upon that, um, 
to, to look at my own life and the life of the church to see where we have been selfish. We have um, become so full of ourselves that there isn't room for God. And before we go any further, I think we ought to define just because we have this assumption that everybody knows the seasons of the church that Advent leads us up to Christmas mm -hmm. and doesn't include Christmas but doesn't give us any room on the other side of Christmas. It goes right up there to Christmas. We will then have the Christmas season, then we have Epiphany, and then we go into uh, Lent after we've had several um, very major feast days. Is it kind of interesting that before we have the great celebration of Christmas, that it's similar to before we have the great celebration of Easter, mm -hmm. that we have Lent, another season of reflective, and, and uh, again, not a real pleasant time. And if you read, right, is that kind of important in our seasons, that one prepares us for another? One thing I believe is very important to raise up, and this is actually something that um, the dean raised up. Um, so I'm uh, speaking here about something that I remember very clearly during the season of Lent. And what um, was pointed out was that this clearing out is good for us um, in order that we might have more of, uh, of the one who really is the source of all joy, uh, and namely God. So in that sense, uh, I think, and I think Tyler, if you would speak to that, where Tyler even ended um, the sermon by saying, so so happy Lent. So, mm -hmm. And the same thing for Advent? You can well, go and say happy Advent then? I, well, I think if you if you think of, you know, um, the incarnation, the whole purpose of the incarnation as the transmitting of the light of Christ, that um, the light is revealed in the infant child Jesus in the creche, and then we're called as followers of Jesus to be bearers of that same light. If that's the basic paradigm, then Advent is this time for actually <clears throat> turning inward um, in a kind of reflective, prayerful way to see what it is that gets in the way of the transmission of the light. You know, uh, if you think about a window, what are what are the what are the dead bugs on our windscreen that need to be <laughs> to be scrubbed off that we can become more perfect transmitters of the light or something? So it, it I remember there there's always I don't know if this was true with you, Bishop, but we, there's always debate in Advent as to whether Advent was a, a penitential season or not, and I can't conceive of Advent as not being uh, penitential. It has that element to it, um, uh, a different character maybe than than Lent. But there is an introspective turn that asks us to look at what, what, what gets in the way of, of love. We have a lot of ways that we observe our seasons. And we know some of them were really instructive, like in Lent, what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. We, we're, we're probably not so good in ordinary time on what we should do other than maybe stay away from church and go on vacation. But, but when we come to Advent, um, we have a lot of people that are new to our church and a lot of people that have been around church forever that want to know what can I do to observe Advent properly. Sure, we see Advent calendars, we see Advent wreaths, 
other than these outline where you light a candle once a week or you open up another day on the calendars, what are some of the things that you recommend that the people of our land, many people who are new to our church, how should they be observing Advent as a person, as a family, as a community? I think that what a person would do during Advent, frankly, I would recommend the person do year-round. And that is make the space in one's life to be more open to and receiving of God. And I don't think that's something that should be reserved for just, a, um, let's say, 10 weeks out of the year. That, that would be a daily, a daily practice. We just focus more closely on them during the season of Advent and during the season of Lent. Um, Advent, actually, I was always instructed um, early on that Advent was sort of a mini Lent. Mm -hmm. And indeed, the liturgical color for Advent traditionally has been purple, which is the same color as Season of Lent. And uh, in recent years, that's been um, shifted to a blue. But still, when I think of Advent, I still think of the, the you know, the color purple um, as being the color which represented to me that penitential aspect, you know, of, of the season. And, and indeed, I think the other thing we, you might want to point out, too, uh, we use the term Advent um, and with, with the idea that when we say that, everybody knows what that is. Uh, of course, we are explaining that, but the word Advent itself is is the combination of, you know, of two Latin words, ad and, and venti, um, which would be to come, um, adventi. In fact, uh, the hymn, Veniti ad remus, you know, come let us adore him, um, is, uh, shows that. So, to come, um, and that's what that word means. And so we are, um, what we are waiting on is the coming, mm -hmm. um, the, the coming of Jesus, the coming of the light, as Tyler said so well. It comes at a time that is dark. We know um, we lead in including Advent as always the darkest day of the year, in literally the darkest day of December 21st. Um, and then we are lighting candles. Uh, Tyler, can you kind of explain, we know that's a tradition that has a Germanic or a, a Scandinavian background on the lighting and the festival of lights, but what... Um, what are some of the meaning of that? I know there's the Advent calendar. You will have beautiful greenery in the church, but only as a wreath. You won't have Christmas trees up, but you'll have the wreath and the candles that each uh, Sunday is lit mm -hmm. uh, and the Christ candle in the center. What is the significance of the lighting? And it's a very big, uh, important thing that's done at the beginning of each service. Yeah, I mean... The basic thing is that we become like what we worship, right? Uh, so Advent is this time when the, the world goes dark in order that we might focus on the light that is uh, the beauty, truth, and goodness of Christ, of, of Jesus. And so <clears throat> the candles are there to remind us uh, where is uh, the true source of peace, happiness, and joy. And the, and the church proclaims that it's, that it's in Christ. It's not too different from when my youngest daughter got <clears throat> these running shoes that light up, you know, when you jump up and down. 
her advent shoes. <laughs> right? <laughs> but she, we had all the lights on in the house, and she was jumping up and down. And she said, see, Dad, you see my, how my shoes light up? And I said, no, I don't see how they light up. And so she spoke, let's, let's lock ourselves in the bathroom and turn off the light. <laughs> and so she jumps up and down in the bathroom, and suddenly, you know, the white tile and the mirrors are sparkling with, you know, blue, yellow, green lights. Uh, and it struck me that that's exactly what Advent does. It, it kind of dims things down so that we are able to actually focus on the true light, you know, because um, we're distracted by all the other lights in our lives and, and tend to try to find fulfillment there rather than in, in Jesus. I see an audio-visual sermon aid yes. uh, coming on at the first Sunday in, in Advent, and, and uh, I hope those shoes are still sparkling that's because right. Maybe you're, I'll wear you're, you're now you're now stuck with that. That's yeah. uh, that has to go that way. Um, but you bring up something about children. Mm. Now you know when you have a new member of the church, and they're involving families, they say, "What can we do?" to help our kids mm -hmm. understand, which is really a nice way of them saying, how can I understand too? Mm -hmm. And that's and that's what we're here for, and that's what this podcast does too. So what can we do for explaining Advent to children, to other people in the family, maybe in the community, that um, at a time when kids are all excited, waiting for Santa Claus, what would be something that you would recommend that a family does that might help a child focus on Advent? Either one of you, in fact, both of you. Well, I mean, I, I think, you know, just actually spending some time cultivating friendship with Jesus through Scripture is a pretty great way to um, prepare for Advent. You know, if, if our job is to develop friendship with Christ, then what better way to get to know him than as he's revealed, you know, uh, through Holy Scripture, particularly the Gospels. Uh, and so there's, you know, Lynn Briggs, Reverend Lynn Briggs of the Resurrection has a lovely um, children's translation of the Sunday lectionary, but there's all sorts of other um, versions as well, but just sort of getting, stepping inside the, the stories and you know, even doing like a miniature godly play, you know, wondering out loud, you know, like, I wonder what the most important part of this story is, you know. I wonder who you see yourself as in this story. Uh, what part of the story could be left out, you know. <laughs> um, but just developing, I think, a facility and a um, comfortability with uh, the stories and asking questions and stepping inside them is, 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 is one thing. And, um, and then, you know, the other thing is like maybe, maybe a Netflix, Netflix fast, <laughs> you know, cause there's, and, and learning to spend some time with family, you know, cause that, that's, you know, God is revealed uh, through interpersonal relationships when we actually have time to be with one another. And so much of our, so many of our, so much of our time is spent just, looking at screens and not really being with, with one another. So I, I think a little, you know, Advent discipline of, you know, what would life be like if there was only one show after dinner instead of three, or, you know, is another way to kind of come together and, and watch and wait, you know. Bishop, what about you? Well, I think what um, the dean here has said is so 
extremely, frankly, important and good um, on any number of levels, uh, not the least of which in my mind is by doing um, exactly as you just heard, what, what happens within the context of the family is the um, God and the church are brought into the home as opposed to only existing outside of the home at the church. And if there is anything I think that we would hope for for um, the people is to have God closer to them um, in their homes, um, in their cars, mm -hmm. you know, at work, as opposed to treating it as if the only place God really is is in this building on, on Sunday morning. And the only time they think about God at all is, is on Sunday morning. So that sense of, of creating the space uh, for that to happen uh, inside, inside the home as a preparation for Advent, um, really and really uh, on any day of the year, is a very important piece. Uh, because ultimately, again, what we would want uh, for all people is to come into... Um, a relationship with Jesus um, to understand their faith as being connected to in a relationship with um, the God who made it all, who's transcendent, uh, where God becomes very much um, a person in the whole mix of the life and not just someone we call upon when we get into trouble. Um, and that to me, you know, I think is, is an extension of what, uh, what um, you know, Tyler is saying. You are listening to the Utah Podcapalians. Our guests are the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, who is the Bishop of Utah, and the very Reverend Tyler Doherty, the Dean of the Cathedral Church of St. Mark. One thing that's always been interesting to me uh, in, in growing up in the Episcopal Church and being an Episcopalian for not quite as long as the church been in existence, but some days I feel that way my whole life. I'm one of the very few cradle Episcopalians in the entire universe. But a, a question for you that has always been somewhat interesting, and that is that the church year begins on Advent 1. The church year, unlike the Gospels, which begin either with the birth of Christ or begin with the baptism of Christ, we begin in the preparation for Christ. And then our second season is the birth of Christ. And then we go through all kinds of the naming and Christ the King and the various earthly ministry of Christ. Different than the Gospels go in that order. Why is the church st um, start on Advent 1 rather than on Christmas Day or on another uh, day, whether the baptism of Jesus or even on Pentecost, the birth of the church? Um, why is it Advent 1 is so important to be our first season? Well, because um, in a certain way, you know, uh, we need to hear uh, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, right? Uh, that we um, are in a certain way, I don't know, lost in a desert, uh, don't know which way is up, and need to uh, prepare uh, for uh, Christ to be born in us. You know, it's all well and good that Jesus was born in, in Bethlehem 
2,000 years ago, but unless he's born in the crash of our hearts, uh, then, you know, it's, it's all pretty much a sideshow, I think, you know, a fond historical remembrance. Uh, so I think the church here starts with Advent because it shows us our real human situation of uh, what life is like uh, without Christ. There's a, there's a certain dryness, uh, wilderness aspect to it, a darkness, and that uh, we experience that to its fullest so that we can see <laughs> the actual difference that Christ makes in our lives, you know. So it's it's meant to highlight, I think, in a certain way, the, the difference between what life looks like when I pursue it on my own terms and what it's like when I do it on God's, you know. And the preparation as well, mm -hmm. which I think is, uh, again, uh, Advent being a season of preparation. Uh, I mean, imagine, imagine any um, major event or anything, frankly, and one did not prepare for it. Imagine, uh, you know, a person showing up to run a race but never bothered to train. Uh, you know, imagine, um, do, imagine going forward to getting married without any preparation for, for what you're going to do in the, in the service. Um, imagine all those things where one didn't actually prepare uh, in advance for these things in order that one could in that uh, moment actually be very much present, receive, or be ready. Um, so the Advent being the first season of the church year, I think highlights the importance of that, of that preparation um, and also brings uh, in, into the mix that, that sometimes, in fact, most times, we miss things just because we're not ready. And to miss the receiving of receiving of the light because we're not ready would be, uh, I think, just a, a terrible thing. A personal question for both of you, because both of you have um, been, uh, throughout your ministry, have witnessed the great Christmas Eve services. You've been doing Advent for a month, and then suddenly the bells ring and Old Kamali Faithful is played, and there's all the every possible thing that our church can do in ritual is all out there and what does it do to you after you've been preaching after you've been observing advent in walking your congregations through that at 11 o'clock or whenever a christmas eve service is when you hear the the peal of the bells and it's christmas eve does it do anything even after all these years? Does Is there a feeling of emotion? What does it do for you? I've often wondered, because yeah. I know as you as you process in, it's so different than what you have been for that last yeah. um, that last month. And same at the Easter Vigil, I would say. I think for me it's a time of a great happiness, joy, uh, relief that you're almost <laughs> through. Because <laughs> it's a 5.30, a 7, and an 11. <laughs> And then you got 10:30 the next morning, but uh, but the um, it's a funny thing though, you know the whole Christmas, you know, because it's kind of an already and a not yet, right? Because Christ is already living in our hearts, uh, and yet we're also celebrating 
it's coming, right? So it's this this sort of paradox that you hold together. Um, the, the same with Advent, you're waiting for the one who's already come, right? So it's it's a it's a curious thing, but it's uh, no question, especially the half hour lead up to singing uh, um, to the to the mass where we sing all the carols together. I mean, it's just it sort of hits a spot in my being that is sort of you know unlike any other really. Because of Advent, I think so. Yeah, and, and that's also what just, I'm asking. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, and and I know so many people um, come to Christmas Eve only or come to Christmas service. Have they missed something, Bishop? I mean, I know that you welcome and and that this isn't a judgment on. But do you think that people that wait till Christmas to come to church have missed something? Oh yes, Mo most definitely. Because as I said um, earlier, Ness Tyler mm -hmm. certainly said it's a time of preparation um, and so to fully um, understand it receive it be open to it requires that preparation I, I would never uh, say to a person um, who only came on Christmas Eve because I'm glad they're there on Christmas Eve sure. um, that, that it would have been better for you um, if you had come all the weeks of Advent as well um, if that person were to come to me let's say, and ask me the question, you know, I do this every year, it's the same every year, I might suggest to that person then at that point in time, well, maybe next year, what would be really good would be for you to come during the season of Advent as well, in order that it might be even cause more for you than it is just on this one service. I'm going to ask you a question that probably takes you back to some class in seminary, mm -hmm. and some class that uh, hopefully... Uh, hopefully I attended, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I know you both have. Uh, I, I didn't go to Episcopal Seminary. No, I, I know. So, school, so, so you, you, you're, you're, you got a way out. <laughs> no, and one thing that, that just occurred to me, and that is, um, when can we trace Advent season back to? What, what started? I mean, we know that seasons have a, a foundation whether it was in uh, early liturgy, whether it was picking up a uh, seasonal celebration that was already there, whether it was out of convenience or whether it was something that we take from our Gospels. But the season of Advent, since there isn't a Gospel reference other than the readings that we use, the preparing the bride, the bridegroom, all these things, but is there something that we can trace back to when Christianity embraced Advent as a season? Well, I know we get our, our liturgical color, Serum Blue, from the Serum Missal, which was, um, you know, in existence well before the Book of Common Prayer, so that at least by um, sort of 12, 13, 1400 in, in England, there was a, an observation of of Advent. I'm not sure when it got the, the liturgical calendar got totally sort of formalized. Um, but it goes back, I know, in, in certainly the Roman Church and, and other liturgical churches, but it, it, it is um, so important in each liturgical church. We certainly don't claim to be the only faith tradition that celebrates and observes Advent. But that, that's certainly true, and I think what, what <clears throat> um, Tyler um, pointed out uh, regarding Advent 
uh, and regarding the church, is that is that historically and traditionally, um, the major service of the church year is Easter, not not Christmas. Um, it's it's with the secular uh, world that Christmas has become so um, much more prominent in the minds of people, and that's a lot to do with well commercialism, you know, selling selling things for people to give away as gifts, the Christmas tree and all these other things. For the church, the, the highest, holiest, uh, and most joyful celebration of all is the resurrection. That follows another Pentecostal service, or no, uh, uh, Lent that follows the time of preparation. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I would say too, Craig, that the, in terms of the significance of Advent for sort of contemporary culture, even for uh, people who don't attend that much. You know, it's, I've been thinking about how we live in a basic culture of distraction. You know, and if, and if Advent is this time of uh, uh, alert watching and waiting and paying attention, that um, <clears throat> that is really the church's um, direct intervention in a, in a culture of speed mm -hmm. and hype and 24-hour news cycle. That um, And it's actually quite countercultural um, that making this little space like the bishop calls it uh, for silence waiting and listening um, could actually be one of the most radical interventions uh, Christians make mm -hmm. uh, in, in, a, in a culture of distraction and consumption you know. and I think uh, one thing we haven't mentioned which I uh, might be good for people to remember uh, is that Christmas is that season that follows Advent. Um, and so the 12 days of Christmas are not the 12 days before Christmas. Um, and I think that is a misunderstanding that um, is in the culture uh, where people start celebrating Christmas. Or actually, I think most people think the 12 days of Christmas are the 12 shopping days before Christmas uh, to get ready for Christmas. And they get to Christmas um, and they miss the rest of the Christmas season. Some families, um, my own family, for instance, we used to uh, open one present on Christmas and then another present on the second day of Christmas and move forward throughout the 12 days of Christmas that way. And they weren't large gifts and uh, they were small gifts. And we, we changed that when we asked the kids, what should they prefer? And they preferred to open them all up on Christmas Day. <laughs> well, well, we'll definitely approach Christmas, and I think we'll have you both back for discussing Christmas because we got a lot more to talk about there as we get into Epiphany and we get into yeah. all kinds of stuff on Christmas. But as we leave today with our guest, uh, the very Reverend Tyler Doherty, the Dean of St. Mark's Cathedral, the historic church in downtown Salt Lake City, and the Right Reverend Scott B. Hayashi, the Bishop of the Episcopal Church in uh, Utah. But no, you want to leave us with your thought or prayer that we hope that uh, people observe and have a meaningful Advent? I'll put in a little plug for, you know, what, what can families do, a, a practice they can do. Um, <clears throat> I think Compline is one of our best kept secrets in, in the Episcopal Church and um, it's the beauty of it is that it lasts about eight minutes. <laughs> uh, it's short and um, uh, its rhythms are such that the kids, even my six-year-old, uh, the, the words kind of worm their way into her uh, subconscious. And, um, so, and it's something any family can do in 
you know, eight, eight or ten minutes before bedtime, and then it's a lovely way to just to kind of end the day, uh, remembering everything that God has done and is doing for us, uh, but also just you know, uh, praying together in that, that Advent meeting time. So, put in a plug for Compline. All right, Bishop. I would put a a plug in um, for just spending some time. Uh, when one is not engaged with watching something else, um, to, to be waiting upon God um, and being still and, you know, as a practice. Um, and what one might do with that is certainly go over the day um, in one's head uh, and heart and giving thanks to God uh, for making it safely through the day. And then uh, sleep, going to sleep and resting in God as much as one rests in bed. Well, thank you so much. And again, we thank our guests. And this has been the Utah Podcapalians, a podcast of the Diocese of Utah. Thanks a lot for listening. I'm Craig Worth.